Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Chris. And I'm Paige. And this is Animates. Today, we are doing our second episode over We Bear Bears. Uh, the outro to the show played earlier. I thought it would be nice to do intro, outro. Um, uh -huh. Nice little diddly diddly guitar twinkie piece. Um, yeah. So uh, today, we are focusing... Less on characters. We, we kind of talked about all of the, the, the main cast and how cool Ice Bear is. Uh, <laughs> but today would be more uh, focusing on episode stories, themes, you know, that more content related to the show. So um, there's a lot to talk about i think a good place to start because it is mentioned in our sh our episode description <laughs> for the last time um would be to talk about economics and some of that was kind of teased last time mm -hmm. uh but it, it pops up in the show in numerous ways pretty much never i think overt in the sense that they are trying to necessarily make a statement but the there are nonetheless certain things there so for example Paige was the one to so lovingly say that this show is partially about three millennial bears uh confronting <laughs> uh you know a situation of late capitalism uh they were homeless as children they are always sort of short of cash and doing gigs um, the gig, the gig economy shows up quite a bit in the show, which is also, I feel probably true to San Francisco too. Um, yeah, definitely. I think, um, the bears definitely do not have like traditional full-time employment. They, so part of it is just that it's not fun to watch these bears go to jobs all the time. Uh, but we do see the bears, participate in the gig economy. They do some service sector work that doesn't go well. They do ride share stuff, um, things like that. But we definitely see that they are frequently in a situation in which they are strapped for cash and uh, looking for a way to cover their expenses. There is even, I think they even make jokes periodically about how like we don't pay our bills, <laughs> you know, um, but they never have quite, you know, we see them doing things that clearly cost money because they don't want to make every episode of this children's show about how the bears don't have any money. But there are plenty of episodes about how the bears don't really have very much money. And definitely the baby bears episodes, they don't have any money at all. They're homeless children. Uh, and there's one actually really interesting episode Hundy. in which they find a hundred dollar bill Hundy. and Hundy. Yes. They, they call it Hundy and they treat it like a baby. And the concept of a hundred dollar bill is so arresting to them and so fanciful that they can't even spend it on anything. They are hoarding it and treating it as something really precious to them, almost like Gollum with the ring. And then another poor youth in the community finds out that they have $100 and tries to, like, rob them because $100, you know, he comments that he's never seen a $100 bill before, right? Um, so that that episode is 
is particularly interesting when with the subject of money. I do think it's interesting, though, that whether or not this is how I live my life as a millennial um, is not sort of the question that the bears still engage a lot in like cons consumerism to a degree. Mm -hmm. I think um, Panda is probably the biggest offender when it comes to this. Panda's definitely a, a consumer, particularly when it comes to um, food. They, well, okay, so food is the main thing that they all sort of, I think, spend money on. They go out to eat a lot. They get a lot of boba tea. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's something that I relate to because too, even yeah. – um, you know, since graduating college, like I haven't been in a great financial situation. I'm in a little bit better financial situation now than I have been. But even in the times when I was in a not great financial situation where I was willing, what disposable income I had or where I was willing to spend extra money on myself was always for food. It was always for for a boba tea or, you know, uh fancy ramen or something like that. So that's something I personally really, really relate to. Um, and I, I know a lot of other people who kind of felt the same way that, well, no, I don't have that much money and I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of money on a fancy handbag or something. But yeah, of course I'll go out to eat. I'll buy a boba tea. I'll drink a fancy coffee, you know, that kind of thing. I feel I, I do the same. Usually that extra income like for food goes to buying higher quality food from a store or buying organic stuffs instead of the regular version, which it really adds up um, over time. Mm -hmm. Well, we like, see the bears do that too. buy the most like super duper mega organic cage free happy chicken eggs that are available at the health food store. Yeah, like organic milk, a half gallon of organic milk at the Kroger down this, or sorry, the Dillons down the street is like three bucks more than a gallon of regular milk. It's Oh it, yeah, I would say that nuts. milk is the first thing I stopped buying organic, even though it was a thing that I cared most about it being organic. <laughs> Like eggs are uh, eggs like are not I've, that much. We've more. been drink, drinking organic milk in my family since I was like eleven, and so I think regular milk kind of tastes like shit. <laughs> but organic milk is just so expensive that pretty rapidly after I graduated from college, I was like, okay, I can't, do, I can't afford to buy organic milk anymore. I actually haven't been buying it recently either because I found out that the only organic brand the store carries is not a good organic brand. They're basically lying. Oh, no. So I, no. Felt, I felt duped. Um, so whatever. Anyway, um, the Bears... Panda is often doing something that I feel is also relatable to millennials, which is focusing on tech particularly mm -hmm. phones. Um, Panda really is sort of a lightning rod for a lot of things that I don't like. Um, and one of those things is like a, an obsessive attachment to a phone. 
Um, mm-hmm. He calls it Selly, like it's a name. I have it. I have a phone. I have a smartphone. It is convenient and useful, but I've never really latched onto it in the same way that I feel like really young millennials and Gen Zers are attached to their phones. Um, yeah, I think that like. I don't know. I'm a few years younger than you. And I would say there's only a couple of years worth of millennials who are younger than me, really. I'm at the tail end. And I would say that I'm definitely more attached to my phone than someone in their 30s is, for sure. But I'm not as attached to my phone as like a Zoomer is. You know, I've only had a phone since I was 13, not since I was eight. So, um, but you know, maybe that's just a personal thing. But Panda's definitely hyper attached to his cell phone and really, really concerned with social media. Um, Ooh, but Grizz yes. is also really concerned with social media, but in a different way than Panda is. So, um, shoot, there are two directions that I, that I w- would go in here. I think, uh, to say about the, the phone issue it partially relates to the fact that the bears, particularly Panda and Grizz, are really affected by trends and by facts. Yes. Um, yes. This is something that I I think the show captures really well is how fast trends develop and fade and how people who are really into those things can get really wrapped up to them very fast and take it too far. Or mm-hmm. who don't really understand a fad, or or one of the best episodes where are you thinking do, about Tote Life? Yes, I'm thinking about Tote Life, um, <laughs> and this is this is great because it also kind of the show. I feel like per- Hillary's performative, like liberal wokeness. Yeah, it, it shits on it, um, mm-hmm. and I love it. Yeah, and, it's great. Um, I say that to someone who has like six campus grocery bags okay. for the record well but like six is a reasonable number and that that's yeah. the whole point um so the bears go to a store and they ask for bags because they don't apparently this has never come up before but the the bears go to a store and they ask for bags and the cashier looks at them like you don't have a fucking tote you're literally you are literally shitting on the environment right now you are destroying everything. So so you get some of that woke criticism that is really overblown and unhelpful and really clumsy. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, it's like Whole Foods they're shopping in. Um, so they, they get a tote and they suddenly feel really good about it because it's like, buy a tote, save a beaver. Some some slogan the totes like cute. that. It has a cute little beaver. It's like the totes are going to help local beavers build their dams or whatever. And there's like a cute little beaver on the tote. But it very quickly becomes about social performance. Because tote life sort of becomes, this tote becomes an in, inroad to social status. Because everywhere they go with their tote, people are like, oh, you tote? And they're like, yeah, we tote. Um, people start to yeah, like tote them. Life. Oh, you can have this ice cream for free, tote life. Or like, oh, it's okay that you bumped into me, tote life. You know, uh, they feel 
included. Yeah, and because so, of the totes. Because they're basically children, they they get really into it. And Grizz especially well no, they all this is one of those cases where Ice Bear is just as affected as the other two. Which is Which is rare. Ice Bear is normally kind of above it, right? But even Ice Bear gets drawn into this and they keep buying totes. They buy too many totes. And eventually So many totes. Even those social performance people are like, what are you what are you doing? It gets so bad that the EPA comes out to their cave and the lady's like she walks into the cave and it's just totes hanging on the walls in piles. She she pulls them out of this mess and she's like Like it's gonna collect the it's so fun. It's become like a disturbing horror movie. Like everything is totes. There, there's this maze of totes inside the cave. There, Ice Bear is making tote wraps for lunch. They're making tote tea. It's they're wearing totes as clothing, and it gets to the point where it, it's going to collapse, and they basically drown in totes. And she's like, "Dudes, you just need a few of them. You know, maybe like." <laughs> She says, you just need two or three, six if you're pretentious about it. Um, and so they end up giving the totes to the beavers, and the beavers make a dam out of the totes. Um, but, yeah, but, like, it's it's just ten minutes, but I think it's really, it's really funny. That episode is really funny. It's but, really, really funny. Um, it, it's one of many... It's one of many episodes where the show takes its time to to point out something about, I feel, especially San Francisco, maybe. I have to uh-huh. assume that this is something about San Francisco and about sort of, like, white, woke liberalism. Uh, and it just is like, this is dumb. And the EPA woman is the one that really is like, six if you're pretentious. That's uh-huh. definitely a poke at that crowd. So, yeah, like, I feel like as funny as I think the episode is, I have like six grocery bags and I felt (laughs) I felt like kind of like attacked, you know, and I was like, okay, that's a normal fine number of grocery bags to have. I agree. I I agree. That's that's a perfectly fine number. Because if you're having a party, that's about the number of grocery bags that you would need, you know? Yeah. So that's reasonable. If you buy 10 days worth of food at once, that's that's a lot of stuff to carry. Yeah, um, definitely. I'd also like to apologize real quick if there were any weird, weird noises in the background. I am making extremely millennial baked goods and I had to remove them from the oven so they didn't burn. So my bad, everyone, if there were noises. Um, some of the other ways that the show likes to poke fun at like there are there are numerous environmental issues that pop up mm-hmm. and people are like they 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 go out of their way to appear to really care about it um for example people who go to the park sightseers people who are really into viewing and experiencing nature the show makes numerous points about how these people are often the worst because they, they come into the environment, they litter, 
they disturb the wildlife and they do they they basically do the opposite of what somebody like Taves would tell them to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredibly important because it's like they're saying don't be these people. These people are dicks because it's very obvious that these people are made to look like buffoons. Sure. Like do you have a particular example you're thinking well, of? Well, number there's the beach episode. With Charlie. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, I hate all of the people at the beach in that episode. So they're in the National Park, and Charlie has a secret watering hole that he likes to go to. It's pristine. And he takes the bears, and Panda, of course, has to take a picture and put it on social media tagged with the coordinates. And so... Accidentally, to be fair. Everybody goes to this beach. And they, they shit on it. It's crowded. They litter. They, they just destroy the area. And they, they, the bears and Charlie scare them away by collecting all of the garbage that those people dump and making Charlie look like a monster. So. Yeah. Like, and the, to be clear, the reason that Charlie showed them his, like, pristine watering hole is because the well-known and popular beach was already all fucked up and covered in garbage and overly crowded because of those same people just not being respectful. It's one thing for someplace to be crowded. It's another thing for everyone to litter and just be really disrespectful of the environment. Uh, So that, yeah, that's a good point about people just being kind of dicks when they're in places that are ultimately shared resources not just amongst all people but also amongst wildlife i think that they this numerous times this happens in the national park which suggests to me that they're they're very attuned to what often happens in national parks people Mm -hmm. behave very badly in national parks a lot of the time and it it occurs numerous times so it makes me think that they know, like, they're aware of that issue, and they portray it true to life, which sucks. Yeah, definitely, because a lot of people, a lot of people really disrespect national parks. Like, we've had all kinds of problems with people fucking, like, graffitiing 10,000-year-old, like, picked glyphs and shit in national parks. And it's like, why would you do that? <laughs> This is all of our inheritance as human beings. Why would you be disrespectful and damage that? Like, why would you disrespect the wildlife in this way? And I think they're really pointing that out because I think that a lot of times this, the kind like the same kind of people who are like woke liberals or whatever also engage in that behavior a lot of the time. Yeah, And so it's like kind of, they're kind of making, and I also think it's kind of the kind of thing that, Seeing that portrayed as bad and irritating and just kind of lame in a show as a child kind of will put that in your head as you get older, you know? So I think it's a really good thing that they're doing it, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's taking place in California, presumably with Californians. So Uh it's like they're saying, hey, get your shit together. There's another another episode where it, it, it also involves Charlie where there's a group of forest photographers, like a, like a guide is taking them through the park. Uh-huh. And these photographers are literally like walking up to animals and flashing them with lights. 
Yeah, the and poor little squirrel looks super dazzled by the lights, doesn't know what's going on anymore. And they're just like, it, they're treating the park as something to be consumed. Mm-hmm. And they don't really think about it. So, I don't know, that that just occurs a couple times over and over and over. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really, it's really pointing out sort of these, you know, neoliberal subjects who treat everything, including nature as things that are con- consumable that are intended for consumption because it is a show that very decidedly takes place in the environment that we live in right now right it's very obviously a show that takes place in the mid to late aughts you know and i think that that also really comes through in the theme of isolation in the show because i think that there's a strong underlying theme of isolation and atomization in the show. What do you think? Um, I think that it was particularly common with baby bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I can see it with the, it, it comes up, uh, isolation in particular comes up with sort of the older bears when they, 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 Grizz especially is like very interested in making friends, which is a typical extrovert thing to be worried about a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are numerous times where they talk about um, friends, relationships in a way that they they always seem to lack the community that they want. Not that they don't eventually build that community. it's not just the bears who are isolated because it's like the bears themselves, so much of their struggle is they find they're isolated from human society because they're, they're uncouth or they're strange or they don't understand social norms, but they find comfort in their relationships with each other and the friends that they do have. But if you look at all of the characters surrounding them, like Charlie is isolated because he's a Sasquatch, you know, and they, that's a character that they explicitly talk about his isolation. There's like a whole episode where there's like a voiceover of a show about Sasquatch talking about, you know, is this creature lonely, resplendent in his solitude, this kind of thing. So Charlie's isolated because he's Sasquatch. Chloe is isolated because she's a prodigy and goes to college, even though she's 10 years old. Nom Nom is isolated in his fame. Tabes is isolated because she's like always doing the most. And she, People find her off-putting. Her extremely high-energy nature, people find that off-putting, so that's isolating to tapes. Literally every character we encounter in this show is in some way isolated by the forces of modern society. And I think that's saying a lot that there's we can't really find a single major character in this show who doesn't experience that kind of atomization and isolation from their peers. You, you, okay, this is like a, it's almost tangential, but this also occurs, do you, that episode with the demon? Oh, the dog? Yeah. yeah. I feel, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I feel like when I look at the, the owner of the demon, like, Chloe mm-hmm. does, like, they're next door neighbors and Chloe knows nothing about them or yeah. him. To the point where she's, like, scared of him because she's scared of his dog sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Besides being a cute episode, um, 
it, I, I feel like it pops up in these little ways. And Panda always trying to make romantic connections and never yeah. really succeeding in doing it. Even though he's online dating, he online dates. And, mm-hmm. Okay, so this sort of connects to the social media thing. I've never seen a show incorporate so much social media into it in such an organic, true-to-life sort of way. Yeah, that's for sh- that's very true. That's I think a really new thing. And and I I like that it it try I to its credit there are episodes where it tries to show people what a healthy relationship with social media could look like. For example, early on the bears see meme videos and so they try to make their own to become famous. And because mm-hmm. of this, they're naturally obsessed with getting views. That's their metric of, of approval and success. And their videos suck. That's just a fact. But they're very bad. They care about each other and they care about the videos. The at the by the end of the episode, once they've sort of met Nom Nom and Nom Nom's like, you suck. They've been mm-hmm. judged by popular culture, and popular culture doesn't like them. Mm-hmm. They're dejected, but they go home, and they put their video up, and they see that their video, like 10 people have viewed their video, and they have one like. One person thumbs it up, and it ends sort of like they're happy with that. Yeah, definitely, and that's the thing is... I think the concept is that, sure, if you want to make something and put it out there, it doesn't matter if you don't get famous because of it. It doesn't matter if not everyone loves it. If you are happy with it and if even if one other person is happy to see what you've put out there, that's great. That's really that's a really, really cool thing, you know, and I think that is the ultimate message of that episode is that you shouldn't be discouraged from being from creating things you should create things if you want to but don't be so focused on the idea of gaining fame or massive popularity from those things but then you see other times where i think the message isn't like this is a good thing but you see some sort of bad aspects of social media particularly with panda um so for example panda there's an episode where panda a a cat gets into Panda's room. It's a cat or a squirrel. Oh, the mouse. It's a mouse. A mouse gets into Panda's room and Panda's afraid of mice. And the mouse gets on his (laughs) keyboard. (laughs) And the mouse starts pressing random buttons and the computer turns on whatever their version of Facebook is. And Panda's really, really into Facebook friends. He wants as many as he can. Again, Panda's a lightning rod for some problematic trends. Um, mm-hmm. The mouse posts embarrassing pictures of Panda on his Facebook, and he watches as his friends desert him. And mm-hmm. he's really upset by it. Like, devastated by it. And that whole time... I was I was there saying that's not good. 
And I, I hope that other people feel that way too. Not, oh yeah, I totally get Panda. Like, mm-hmm. this is a time where I feel I don't want people to get Panda. Yeah, I think that that particular episode was kind of showing all the bears struggling with the downside of major aspects of their personalities, though. Because at the same time that Panda's struggling with that, Grizz is being, like, super-duper extroverted and trying to make friends with people, and he ends up getting stuck in a tree... But because he wants these people to think that he's cool and be friends with him, he won't admit that he's stuck in the tree, you know, to the point where it's just, like, absurd and ridiculous. Or, and Ice Bear, they get delivered a Roomba. He doesn't know where it comes from. And he tinkers with the Roomba, and uh, technology turns against him, and the Roomba gets out of control and causes all kinds of problems. So in this episode, each bear is in a negative situation because of um, because of sort of downsides of major aspects of who they are. Very good. I'm trying to think of other times where social media plays an important role in in their lives. Um well there's the Skype date episode. That's interesting. Oh, and it's yeah. kind of about catfishing. Uh, so that one that one's kind of fun. Um, where Panda gets matches on OkCupid with a French girl and he's really anxious about their Skype date, and so the other bears are helping him and they all disguise themselves as Panda. Like every single one of them falls in love with her and blah blah blah. And they eventually, and it's shenanigans, and they eventually come clean, but then it turns out she's not a French girl either. She's from New Jersey, and it <laughs> was, it autocorrected her to say she's from Paris, and she just went with it, you know? She She's from, like... Paramus. Paramus, yeah. They say it wrong. She says it Paramus, but that's it's Paramus. You're from New Jersey, aren't you? Well, I've lived in New Jersey before. Yeah. Um, I I don't know why. I don't know why I mentioned that. Um, I guess I'm so used to to my statement about how you pronounce the name of that town. It does, but I guess I'm so used to hearing people make fun of New Jersey that it's just sort of like funny by proxy. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) um, I've watched lots of New York humor. And New Yorkers shit on New Jersey all the time. Uh, Yeah, I think related to the social aspects of the show, um, the show really portrays how a lot of people, not the bears to their credit, but how a lot of people are fickle and they're very swayed by superficial qualities in others. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what you, you see people like the bears and then the bears do something to show who they really are. And people are really ready to bolt. And yeah, it's like people are super fickle and they are super focused on the superficial appearance of, of coolness as defined in 2019 or whatever. And as soon as they do anything that disrupts the perfection of that image that like Instagram influencer curated 
perfect image of coolness, if that's disrupted at all, people just bail completely, except for their main friends, except for our main side characters. I, it feels very dissonant to me because on the one hand, it feels really true to life, which is scary. Um, mm-hmm. I think most pe- the the show is pretty clear that that's not desirable. I think it's just showing how it is with these three sort of unorthodox characters. But it's also dissonant to me because people are often portrayed as being socially conscious, but it all sort of falls apart when they start interacting with others in any way that sort of requires an open mind. And it's just like these people are trying to be socially conscious, but they're also closed minded or really focused on status or popularity. And I just don't feel like those things go together, but somehow they exist in these people, whether that's a California thing. I think they absolutely do, though, because um, in in the late aughts, being socially conscious is a method for gaining popularity and status. Like it's being, it's being woke. If you're not woke in the right way, like if you don't respect people's pronouns, that's super lame. I mean, I, obviously it's good to respect people's pronouns. I'm not saying that it's not good to be socially conscious, but the kind of the way of looking at it is that it's the cool and hip thing to respect people's pronouns and it's super lame and retrograde of you to not do that. So you have now lost status by, you know, now there's a different group of people you could gain status with in that way. But in the mainstream, it's cool to be socially conscious. Well, I guess the reason it's dissonant for me is that a lot of those positions to me come from trying to adopt empathetic perspectives. And that way of enforcing those things is devoid of empathy. So it's like... All the, all oh, the, it's bad, but it's all true ex- to life, I think. Yes. All the external stuff without any of the core. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't know, that to me that's just like, what the fuck is happening? I don't like this. Stop it, show! Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, you know, I, I'm kind of waiting for an episode where, like, Nom Nom gets cancelled for something, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. He almost gets canceled for that. And the bears help him regain popularity. Um, since we're talking about socialization to some extent, um, mm-hmm. crap, I had a point and it flew away like a beautiful butterfly, but you was it about to- baby bears? Baby bears was one one path that we could go. I think okay. the baby bears are interesting because they the stories are revealed out of order. The chronology of baby bears is sort of all over the place. And at first it goes in order, but then more recently it seems out of order now. Because the first Baby Bears episode we see, they're all together. Mm-hmm. But later in the show, it shows how each bear got on a path of travel. Whether it's sure, okay, yeah, that Yuri, part's out of order for sure. 
panda getting out of a zoo in China or panda conservation center and mm. Grizz getting rescued out of a tree during a storm. That episode is really great, by the way, because Grizz falls, heartbreaking. In love. Grizz falls in love with a giant burrito. And at Do first, you want to talk about that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this episode makes fun of restaurants that they have like a eat this much, get a free meal deal. Mm-hmm. And basically Grizz is a bear and also eats a lot. So he's like, I can win this contest. And so they make burritos for him. And eventually the last thing he has to eat is a, is a bear sized burrito. And as soon as they put it on the table, he holds it. And he's like, I don't want to eat this. I love this burrito. And you're just like, what? His eyes get wide and he goes safe, safe burrito. And then he like nuzzles it. So he walks out and and he he clings to this burrito until it goes rotten. And even then he won't let it go. At the end of the episode, during a storm, the burrito gets struck by lightning. It flashes back to his childhood where we find out why he loves the burrito. He's stuck in a tree, which is the theme for him. And... <laughs> He's a baby crying in a lightning storm and a fireman has come to rescue him. And the fireman puts on this arm guard that is made of this silver wrap-like material. And Grizz hangs onto it and the fireman saves him. And this arm wrap material looks exactly like the burrito. Did you sob? (laughs) I cried. I cried. This is a really early... This is the first... Like, this is the smallest, youngest we see any of the bears, we've seen any of the bears ever. And it's actually the first time we see any of the bears as a baby. It's the very earliest baby bear episode. Um, Panda's story isn't sad. It's actually... It's sad to me when he leaves two behind. I mean, okay, no, it is a little bit. You're like, aw. Um, Mm -hmm. It didn't hit me in the same way as Yuri or Grizz did. Okay, fair, yeah. Um, so the bar was set really high, and it I was just like, aw. But it's more mm-hmm. like a, he, he makes a daring escape, which is very not Panda. Uh, but part of the reason he makes a daring escape is because he sees television. <laughs> he sees anime. He, he sees a magic book, and he sees, like, Sailor Moon, basically. <laughs> a magical girl of some sort. Baby bears experience homelessness as they try to find someone to love them. It's so sad. They're trying to find surrogate parents. And they go to a pet store. And they do get adopted, but they they can't stand being without each other. So they, they, they choose community over having a home. Which is... It's very troubling that they have to make that decision. But yeah, they, for sure. But like it's it's heartbreaking because it's like you want them you really want them to be looked after and cared for, but you also don't want them to be separated. These bears a lot of their episodes focus on finding food in the Hundo and the Hundi episode. Grizz says, no, but seriously, we haven't eaten in two days. 
at the end of the episode yeah. when they make a joke he's about like, how hungry they are and you're just like fuck like, yeah he's like we need to eat it's been days and it's like oh my god they're children and that might explain actually why they're so much smaller than normal bears would be oh, they're stunted they're, mal- they're malnourished so yeah i mean it, it's a lot of it a lot of it under the surface is like really heartbreaking because they get taken advantage of really frequently like i think the first time we see the baby bears as a trio they invite uh, another hitchhiker to share their cardboard box with them because he shares a granola bar with them. And they wake up in the morning to find that he's stolen their box. Like, all they have is a box. They're stranded in the desert, and all they have is a cardboard box. And an adult human being steals it from them. Definitely show made for children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then they like get like they play around in an amazon fulfillment center which is pretty interesting um but yeah i mean that's the thing is like did the baby bears are just do it they're doing their best they want to be looked after they want to be loved but um but instead they uh face a lot of hardship and they're taken advantage of at at every turn, really, and as adorable as they are, it's also completely heartbreaking. Okay, this is a stretch, and I'm willing to admit that it is a stretch, but the fact that they are homeless bears and they are taken advantage of makes me wonder if it can be kind of seen as an allegory for the way that the homeless and the poor are dehumanized. They are literally. Not I don't people. think that was like authorial intent, but I think that you could make the argument that it that you can see it that way for sure. Um, that's a stretch. I don't think they intended it to be that way. But no, they're they're not humans, but they are homeless and poor. So it's like a literal allegory. What do you think about the baby bears episode where they're on the island? I think. This episode just further hits me that as children, the show really goes out of its way to show how terrible adults are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. That's really, we always got hints of that in shows like the Rugrats, mm-hmm. but this show is very overt about how adults, particularly adult males are assholes. Yeah, there are very, there's, I'm trying to think of any adult males who are, like, nice people in We Bear Bears. Like, maybe Chloe's dad and Martinez is okay, I guess. Um, And then maybe, like, Nom Nom's bodyguard is, like, an okay person. But pretty much every other adult male that we meet kind of sucks. Yuri is the only good one. Who? Yuri. Yuri, yeah. He's fine. But he's also, like, he's troubled. He, um, you know, we understand why he does it, but he still, like, yells at a child and, like, scares the child and is, like, cagey and emotionally closed off, you know? We love him, but, like, he's still, he's not without fault, I suppose. So on this, they, they crash land on an island... 
and there they meet two adult humans. And one of them is this really nice lady who basically becomes a surrogate mother for them and cares mm-hmm. for them. She and calls them jelly beans. There's a guy there who always kind of seems unhappy with their presence. And later in the episode, it is revealed that he is a way to get off the island and he is intentionally keeping this woman on the island so that she will fall in love with him. I shit you not. It's incredibly fucked up. I'm like, what? That is Mm -hmm. so bad. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing is the bears immediately are like, oh my God, this is fucked up. What a creep. They literally call him a creeper. Um, and they immediately feel that they need to, um, they need to tell her, you know, they, he has like a weird diary about how he's in love with her and they, they immediately want to go tell her. And so he responds by trying to murder them. Straight up. Just like throw them in lava. Yeah, like they were sinking in in quicksand and basically they only survived because of like they just so happened to have like an inflatable raft in the quicksand with them. Um and it's like he basically they're running away from him with the woman and he's still trying to basically like murder the baby bears and keep the woman on the island with him and it's profoundly fucked up. Yeah, like one step short of of rape. Yeah, like, pretty much. You're just like, if this guy is left alone with her and she knows his secret, I'm scared for her. Like, yeah. legitimately terrified for her well-being. So, they leave him on the island and they get away. Mm-hmm. But, unfortunately, they fall asleep under a blanket and she gets rescued off a, on a boat, and they get left in this raft alone, and it's super sad. It's so sad. Because you feel really, like really sad. she would have cared for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time. Yeah, and I wonder how, like, I wonder how she felt about it afterwards, because I'm sure, like, she was shown to be an extremely kind and caring woman that I'm sure she was racked with guilt about it. Yeah, and she, she was just passed out from exhaustion and probably dehydration. Mm-hmm. I that's honestly that was my first thought after that happened. I was like, she is going to be so upset. Yeah, I think, and you know what's interesting? You talk about them going out of order, but like most of the times where they're together as a trio, it's been mostly in order. Um, but just recently in season four, there's an episode where they're in Japan. And for several episodes prior to the island, they talk about how they want to go to Japan. And at the end of that episode, they wash up and they're like, hey, we made it to Japan. So now actually they are doing some that are like where they're together as a trio that are out of order when historically they've been the the solo Baby Bears episodes have been out of order, but not the trio ones. So I think that's interesting that they're. Yeah, they're also throwing travel- other stuff in there. They're, they're, the baby bears are also traveling the world for various reasons. Uh, <laughs> it's super cute. Yeah, they try to go to Sweden, but they end up in Boise, Idaho. So there are several episodes in Boise. <laughs> um, mm, okay, it's pretty so, adorable. Um, are there they they do there the icy nights episodes do kind of shit on the Silicon Valley culture do you think yes absolutely Uh, in in a way that just makes me 
so extremely happy. So in this way that we're talking about economic themes, like tech bros are some of the worst people. They're like, destroying the city of San Francisco. Like destroying they, it. They 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 are they are like nerds just like ate up all the neoliberal shit and just don't care about anything. It's like development gone amok. It's it's antithetical to science and I hate them. Yep. Sorry, not gonna yep. lie. I hate them. Yeah, they're the worst, and I'm glad that they're being pilloried on children's television. And, and so, yeah, so this show should, do, like, we're not just saying this because that's how we feel. The, the show makes fun of them in a way that is both entertaining and um, very interesting. Do you, you can introduce that idea if you want to. I think... So we primarily interact with the tech bro culture in the Icy Nice episode where they're the villains. Um, They even refer to themselves kind of derisively as programmers at one point. And basically they're portrayed as these sort of yuppies with absolutely no empathy or concern for other people whatsoever who just want whatever they see and take it without concern for anybody else. Um, in the second, in Icy Nights 2, the main sort of person is portrayed as not even having their success based on any kind of real merit, but on connection to other people who have money and success. And the corporation that he works for in and of itself is portrayed as evil and not really doing anything or making anything that's valuable just kind of being evil and existing for the doing of evil things um and obviously while that's like an extreme portrayal of the silicon valley tech culture it's not entirely unjustified especially when basically the entire bay area is being destroyed by that business culture that is making it a and completely unaffordable place to live and pushing everyone who is not a tech billionaire out of the area. Yeah, like let me let me clarify when I say hate, okay, my my position is much more complicated than that, but it really centers around people really not thinking about others. That and, and this episode, the whole basis of this is that Ice Bear is drawn into something because of another person's selfishness. Um, uh-huh. And Ice Bear takes out his, 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 he takes back what is his. That's yes. really all it's about is it's Ice Bear defending himself and his creation because Ice Bear has a strong attachment to his creations. To, to objects, again, partially relates to what we talked about um, uh-huh. last episode. So Ice Bear does everything justifiably, and I feel like that one guy is a lightning rod for tech bros in general. Selfish, they do not consider others' emotions. They only care about what's in it for them, what they can create, um, their own ideals, and 
what's happening because of their actions doesn't really matter. They always love to tout, oh my God. Okay, you want to know what the worst part? As a scientist. Mm -hmm. As a scientist, it is common for people to say, what I create is not my responsibility related to how it's used. And to some extent, I, I, I agree with that. However, there's a difference between, say, developing a vaccine, no, developing a chemical that could be used to create medicine, but could also be used to create poison, right? Uh There's a difference between thinking about it and being like, you know what, be careful. This could be really good, but it could also be bad, but I think it could really help a lot of sick people. And between saying, oh, well, yeah, this thing I'm making could be used that way, I guess, but it's not really my responsibility, right? I can't be held responsible for creating this thing. And that's the whole tech ethos is that, sure, um, the way that the Facebook algorithm works that we created to make as much money as possible also radicalizes people and is leading to it has led to a genocide but we're not responsible for that i don't think we're responsible for the direct consequences of the algorithm we created to make money on real life politics and real life people who are being murdered and we shouldn't have to change anything or be held responsible for that at all like i when usually when a scientist says it what they mean is that they've considered it could be used badly. Uh-huh. Like they've thought about it. Uh-huh. And I guarantee you there are people out there who have fe- found something out and have decided not to make it public because they decided, you know what? That is true. But also like, I don't think it would be used responsibly. I, there's a difference between using it after very careful thought and just sort of saying it as a mantra and when it's used like a mantra, you people, I feel like, have used it as an excuse not to engage in empathy or considering possible consequences. It is used to preclude having to think about consequences, which I guarantee you is not a responsible way to conduct development or science. And I think a lot of people do that responsibly, but I don't think tech culture does. I think it's become a mantra that they use to avoid any consideration of consequence. And that is a dangerous mindset. That is an incredibly irresponsible way to develop anything. So that's why I really, really dislike that part of life. Those those people, that culture, is because they're being irresponsible with development. So Yeah, that's my and they're justifiably pilloried in this show. So thanks, Wee Bear Bears. Yeah, thank you, Wee Bear Bears. Sorry, I, I you know, that's my psychology bit. Those people are irresponsible. Um, <laughs> but luckily, Icy Nights is also super fun. And we talked about that last time. What else? Yeah, we talked about Icy Nights already. Um, what else what happens? Else? 
I think, okay, so I remember at the beginning of the first episode, you said, I have a point that will go better at the end of this than at the beginning, so I'm going to save it. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> I should, but I'm also, um, I'm, I'm thinking of many things all the time. So I think it got lost <laughs> in the shuffle. I, yeah. I think that if we look through the show, we do see good examples of social ideals because we kind of talked about the bad side for example we Mm -hmm. see people like lucy who is actually like out there doing good work she she works hard in agriculture to do Mm -hmm. like good stuff and she's she's kind and pathetic um she's also panda's main love interest i think a lot of what the show is portraying is that we currently we live in a society um i hate we you. currently <laughs> it's portraying that modern life is full of a lot of stuff that's encouraging us to value things that are very superficial a lot of stuff that is isolating us a lot of stuff that is leading to a lot of hurtfulness and lack of empathy for other people, but that if you look hard enough and if you try hard enough to be a good person, that you will meet other good people who are kind and considerate, who are thoughtful, who want to help others and create good things in the world and share those things with one another and that we should reach out and find those relationships and find those other people, find that desire to create good things in the world and cling to it and develop those things as much as we can because that is the antidote to those things in our society that are isolating us and leading us to value the superficial and killing our empathy that i think is the overthought overall emotional and social ethos of the show and the bears really they are a crystallization of that idea because mm-hmm. they are brash awkward they they don't understand social mores very well but they are willing to go out of their way to help the people that they care about and even people they don't know that well or people that dislike them and do great things for them. Grizz is ready to help Nom Nom out even though Nom Nom over has only and over shit again. on them. And, and mm-hmm. you, you feel that Grizz, maybe you're letting yourself be taken advantage of, but mm-hmm. the other way to look at that is that Grizz is, is so ready to help people out that he's willing to he's like you know what that people shitting on me is their prerogative my prerogative is to help people so that's what Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do and that's overall like we're shown overall through primarily the berries but also their closest friends that helping people is worth it for its own sake that being kind, that helping out people, that putting goodness back into the world is in and of itself a good that is its own reward, right? And that 
But at the same time, that if you put enough of that good and love into the world, that it will come back to you and you will find people who want to do the same for you. That's what I see in the bears developing relationships, basically. Yeah, and and in in the same vein, uh, the bears, particularly Grizz, I feel like the the bears are really good male role models to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Partially because they're they're so emotionally supportive, and Grizz, I don't know, Grizz has done a couple of things that more would would fit better with kind of like stereotypically feminine things. One of my favorite examples of this is that he dresses up as the Daisy Scouts mascot, which is a big flower. It's and, super cute, and he he basically is really into this girl's softball game. Mm-hmm. And he's a date. He's dressed up as this Daisy, which you would. It's a poppy, actually. Uh, a poppy, but sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, and he he's willing to play on the Poppy Scouts softball team when they need help. And sort of the story is kind of all about teaching kids this idea because Grizz mm-hmm. never has a problem doing it. He is ready to help them out with whatever it needs, whether it's masculine or feminine. He's like there, no matter what. But. These girls, they're winning because of Grizz's encouragement. And then mm-hmm. the, the shoe sort of is put on the other foot where Grizz has to stand in for another player and Grizz is bad and he's losing them the game. And they, they, they lose hope and they don't support him in the same way. And they come to realize, thanks to tapes that they need to do the same as Grizz has done. That you can't just rely on others. That you also need to pay this emotional support. you got to pay it forward. And Mm -hmm. as they start to cheer to Grizz like he had cheered to them, Grizz is able to um, feel supported and he starts performing better. And is able to to carry them to victory. And, yeah. and they do it even though he's doing poorly. He They don't just do it when he's winning. They do it when he's having trouble. And watching these young girls come to this realization and seeing them learn it is just a very powerful example of this whole idea. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so too. And... And I think that that particular episode really crystallizes that general ethos of the show. Um, And I think, and in regards to you talking about the Bears being good male role models and doing things that are feminine, I also think that that's just generally a big part of the show is that like, the bears are who the bears are unabashedly without any concern with whether or not it's masculine. Like Panda likes skincare. And so he wears like a Korean sheet mask to bed sometimes. And like, it's fine. And he doesn't seem concerned and his brothers don't make fun of him about it Uh, or ice bear knits and it's fine. And no one's concerned and his brothers don't make fun of him about it. There's even the funniest one, which is like objectively funny because Ice Bear's not a pregnant woman still involved. Like Ice Bear finds a pregnant women's workout tape and just does the workout. And um, 
he goes and starts, like, he goes on a walk with some other pregnant women because it recommends that he do that. And while it's really funny because he can't get pregnant and give birth, um, it just, he develops really, he thinks that it's still like a worthwhile workout, even though it's for women and develops relationships with these women. And he's able to help a woman who's like giving birth on the street because he learned about it from his tape. And like, and no one, even though it's objectively funny as a viewer, like no one is like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like no one really questions it or anything. They all just kind of do whatever they want, regardless of whether or not it's masculine or feminine. Well, and, and Ice Bear is interesting because out of all of them, he's the one that is most stereotypically male um, in, in, in presentation sometimes, right? He's quiet. He's serious. Um, mm -hmm. he, he's lower on expressed emotionality. Um, he, but, but what oftentimes comes off as, as the serious type and in many cases is exposed as, as not being who he is because there are times mm -hmm. where he, he encounters something cute and he's like, I will protect you. And he shows yeah. this this immense, very targeted and intense desire to nurture something. He for he, sure like and in his pursuits, although he approaches it with a very intense devotion, a lot of them are something you would exp are like home economics in general are are a big yes. thing of his cooking, knitting cleaning he wears aprons that are frilly and mm -hmm. it's great to see this person who you think oh wow yeah he's very serious and very like withdrawn that that just that facade just kind of like melts away in very brief but enlightening moments particularly when ice yeah, bear is and like i, I think you know role. it's worth saying that he he has that close relationship with chloe the child and he is very committed to like protecting her and nurturing her and and helping her you know succeed and do things and he comments in the first episode where they meet her he says ice bear has never seen a small human <laughs> you know like he clearly feels that desire to nurture her or in the episode where panda's like i'm not cute do you guys think i'm cute ice bear just like blushes <laughs> it's just really because like you know panda's adorable right like it's a cute thing and it makes uh it makes makes ice bear feel things right you know he he actually is very very soft-hearted the show has been fun to talk about because these characters are complex they're not mm -hmm. really they they aren't really two-dimensional in any way no and not at all which you would not when you first watch the show you wouldn't expect it to be a show like that where the characters are actually really complex and compelling, but they are. They, um, at first it kind of seems like, Oh, these people have really accentuated personality types and that's all that they are. No, no, no. Like Grizz is super extroverted, but it's, but it's expanded upon in so many different situations that it's always, it's, always more complex than just he likes people or he has a lot of energy the ways that it comes out and the benefits and the issues that those things create make them complicated 
For example, Ice Bear is highly competent, but he creates a killer vacuum. That's also a, a killer robot clone. Like that's a great way to show a per, like a, a, a quality and make it complex. Because if you only focus on how it's good, for example, Tommy from the Rugrats, we only ever really see his exploration be a good thing. Mm-hmm. That that makes it less complicated. Um, so it's nice to see they they are explored as flawed people, which is really really good character design. They they have a really the writers have a really good sense of creating people. I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that this show is. It's not, it doesn't have the same popularity among adults that something like a Steven Universe or Adventure Time really does. And I'm really not sure why, because everyone I know who watches this show, even adults who don't really like cartoons, like my boyfriend, really, like, begins to really love the show. Because it has such an unwaveringly positive and loving heart to the show and the characters feel so real and you feel so drawn into them and like attached to them and they're so relatable and and complex these bears um and i think overall it's just a really great show it makes me so happy (laughs) like there's really nothing no other piece of media that i've ever encountered as an adult that fills me with the kind of unbridled joy that this show does. Yeah. I, it, it has been a pleasure. If you do introduce people to the show, you may have to, I, okay. So funny side joke here at the end, there have been times where okay. I've had to introduce this to adults and I have to clarify, no, it is not a show about big, hairy gay men <laughs> who are naked. It is not a porno. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this has mostly been something I have to clarify to gay people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, no, but yeah, is, I yeah. mean, I can't, I really cannot recommend this show enough. Like if you're sad, watch the show. If you have children, watch the show. If you're happy and you want to be more happy, watch the show. It's, it's really great in pretty much all circumstances. Rating? We're not going to give it a rating. rating I was about to say, I'm not going to give it a rating because ratings are dumb. Um, <laughs> it, it is rated three out of three bears. There we go. <laughs> that's what I'll rate. Yeah, it. definitely. And and that's about all I have to say. Chris, do you have anything else? No, that is that is that is a good place for us to leave. Awesome. Um, As always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't done it already. It helps other people find the show. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Animates or on Facebook, Animates Podcast. And if you have any burning questions, comments, or concerns, or you just want to chat with us about some really cool bears, you can reach us at Animates at gmail.com using the numeral 8 instead of letters And as always, I've been Paige. I've been Chris. And this has been Animates.